Hello and welcome to Zero Net 50. I'm Jennifer Deloney and with me is Joel Strongberg, who is at the center of things in Washington. Uh, we had agreed that we would talk, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago we said, all right, let's just pick the seventh and, and make time to talk and have a reaction to what's going on. And little did we know that mere moments before we spoke to each other, there would be a decision about our president. So that's where we are right at this minute. And we're going to do a little off the cuff reaction to what, what all this means for us uh, and our beautiful climate. So hello, Joel. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing fine. Uh, as a matter of fact, we are having some amazing resurgence of summer weather, so I'm I'm more than fine here. <laughs> um, excellent. Yeah, no, we are too, and and, and it, it really is a glorious day um, that that the presidential election turned out the way it did. I uh, uh, I think the country needs some stability and and uh, an empathetic um, man to you know person uh, persons in this case mm -hmm. um, to kind of get the the nation back on some kind of a uneven keel. Um, although I understand it's not going to be, I, I, my understanding is that, that Trump is not going to concede, the, at least yeah. on, the, on the new stuff today, uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, mm -hmm. Rudy Giuliani said he wasn't going to, uh, he wasn't going to concede the election. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure that's going to be a surprise to anybody, but yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's both a shame and embarrassing for the country. Um, mm -hmm that a president of the United States has so little regard for, for the constitution and, and how much of an obligation that he had um, mm -hmm. as president uh, to, to, to value the constitution and to understand that, I mean, democracy is a very, very fragile thing. Mm -hmm. um, and if enough people just say, I'm not going to pay any attention to you and go off their own, you know, off their own way, then everything comes crashing down. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, we've, we've been very lucky over the last 242 years, I think, mm -hmm. um, that for the most part, power has made the transition carefully. And, and the, the, the men in this case that we've elected to the office um, really understand their, both their obligation and their caretaking responsibility. And I mm -hmm. think that uh, um, when this all ends, I think that people will step back and and have a much better understanding, actually, um, of what a democracy is about, and mm -hmm. and how to um, to value it, and and not to um, take it for granted uh, either the you know the democracy or their own role in this. And I think that's the other thing that uh, becomes really important in this. The there is a downside, as far as I'm concerned, on this. Not a downside, but it's it's it's. At the moment, the, the election didn't change the divide um, that's yeah. in the country. And if yeah. anything, it's it's increased it. Um, mm -hmm. And this is something I think that uh, we should be worried about. I, you know, I, somebody asked me the other day of, of um, what I thought about the, you know, the voting and the election and stuff. And my reaction was, you know, I was horrified that people are standing around polling places with semi-automatic rifles. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, that's, you know, I lived in Nicaragua for a while and I mean, it would be, it was common to see, you know, the police walking around with these kinds of weapons and things, but mm -hmm. in the United States at a time for election is just, it's, it's horrifying to me if you want to, because I don't, you know, I've been in Washington long enough that I don't horrify easily. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it's completely unheard of. And, and we, we just sort of have, there's this heat that has turned up in ways that I just didn't see or know of. And until, you know, Trump came along and I'm just, I'm really surprised by it. So, you know, today is a, is a huge day, like, like you said, and, you know, I'm trying to take it in, in its pieces as it comes to me. And, you know, I, I have to admit, I didn't uh, vote for the other guy. So I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Although and, you had, you had a split election, didn't you? Uh, we had a very interesting here in Vermont uh, situation where, we gave our electoral votes to Biden, and then we reelected our Republican governor. So, you know, it was very fascinating because we could see the statistics come in, certainly for the area that I cover for the newspaper that I'm a editor for. Um, we could see that it was very much people were splitting their tickets where at the top they were voting for Biden and then right down the rest of the ticket, it's all Republican. Um, so that just is a fascinating, you know, look into what, yeah. what's going on with people. Yeah, it is. And I, and I think that's something else that's, that's happened during this election. When people have been splitting, for example, I think there was, there was only one state, Montana, mm -hmm. um, that, that, the that changed its, its, the party of its governor. Mm -hmm. Um, and most, most of the states that had Republican legislatures, before this still have the same legislatures and and it's been unusual for people to, to split their tickets my theory on this is and it's just you know i'll pull it out of my ear um is that because of the absentee ballots yeah that people were able to spend a few more minutes thinking about who they wanted to you know to fill in the circles for the checks mm -hmm. or whatever whatever it was um and so they were it was it was a more open opportunity than to split tickets and i mm -hmm. which i think is actually personally healthy yeah, um, yeah and, absolutely. um you know it, it it'll be great if the if the the representatives of the separate party actually work together but but mm -hmm. in the meantime i think that people feel feel that they've more fulfilled if you will that that they you know they thought about who they were voting for and and did it at their leisure um right. and i think that's probably going to be something we'll see um for the next you know three decades that people yeah. will be doing will be doing that yep and and you know and as we're pondering this election we also have to um temper our feelings and think about what's what's the reality with congress because mm -hmm. We didn't certainly have a flip there, and that reality means more of what we've already seen. It could, and I mean, it's it's very strange to put the two words of reality and Congress together. Yes, right? yes. Um, but it's this is something that um, first of all, we're the the in the House, um, Democrats lost seats, and they were expecting mm -hmm. to gain them right. um, in the Senate. It's still unclear. Um, it's all going to come down to the Georgia election, um, in which case they're 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 actually electing two senators, and uh, which is an odd thing because in, you know, the senatorial terms are 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 structured in such a way that, uh, that only one senator from each state, you know, runs at a time. Mm -hmm. um, but what happened was that um, one of the a Republican um, uh, senator, uh, Johnny Isaacson. Um, had to step down because of health reasons, and um, the governor re appointed temporarily um, 
another, you know, the the current Senator Loeffler, uh, I think, is the name. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is the first time that they were able to do the election. And Georgia rules are that the governor could appoint um, a temporary replacement, and then at the next election, that um, the seat is open um, for the rest of the term. In this case, it's two years. Um, and also in, in Georgia, that the rule is that if any candidate doesn't get 50% of the vote, then they go to a runoff. Um, mm -hmm. And both both um, seats didn't the, the the candidates didn't get the 50%. There'll be an election on June on January 5th. Mm -hmm. um, if the Democrats can take both of those seats, then it's what's likely is a 50-50 split in the Senate, um, where the vice president, uh, as a presiding officer, will vote to break any ties. And, and mm -hmm. that's something that's happened a number of times um, with, under, you know, under Trump and when Pence you know, cast his vote. Right. There's also something else going on that people need to be aware of. Um, and I'll address that first, and then I'll, t I'll come back to the Senate in a minute. Okay. What's happened is that um, for, for the last two years, the the kind of intra-party uh, conflict between moderates and progressives mm -hmm. was was cast aside. I mean, they, they, their eyes were on this election. I mean, since the 2018 election when the House, uh, when the Democrats retook the House, um, and then, you know, the a fair number of progressives came in. I think the number is six or eight or whatever. Um, but the fact of the matter is it, it, it fitted into the, to the, you've got the moderates on one side and you've got the progressives. And now the progressives, for example, under Ocasio-Cortez, for example, and she was, she was one of the, of the progressives. She's certainly not the only one. Mm -hmm. um, and they put forward like the Green New Deal um, and are looking at basically, you know, what they call a social democratic um, scheme for the country as far as right. health care and everything else. Um, so what happened was that, I mean, the Speaker Pelosi was able to keep everybody in line. Um, the minority leader on the Senate side, Chuck Schumer, was able to as well, but, but it's the House that really kind of drives this now. And so what's happened after the election, because the Democrats lost seats, um, and several of them were Democrats that had prevailed in 2018 in basically Republican districts. Um, and there were other candidates that did make it through, but they just squeaked by. And so what, what happened during this week, for example, was there was a, I don't know, a two hour, three hour uh, conference call uh, between Pelosi and the entire Democratic caucus in the House, which is 230 people. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, well, what happened was that the, the moderates um, started to rebel in a sense, that they were challenging Pelosi on the fact that um, they never want to hear the words socialism Social Democrat, social anything again, because mm -hmm. they're, I mean, they're, they're on the knife's edge as far as that's concerned. Now, the other thing that happens is, like I said, that for the last two years, these things have been fairly quiet. And, um, you know, picture in your own mind when you talk to your family or your husband or whoever and you, and you, you swallow what it is that's bothering you. Mm -hmm. You know, after two years, you're going to get pretty irritated. And so there's yeah. going to be an edge in your voice. I know that. Yep. There is in mind when, when this happens. Um, and so now that the election is over and they lost seats, there are now questions about the leadership, um, 
both Pelosi and Schumer. Um, and, you know, this was something that, that was, it started in 2018 at, at the beginning of the, the 116th Congress. But because of situations, like I said, everybody kind of calmed down. And the same thing happened at the convention, with the Democratic convention. I mean, that unlike what happened with um, uh, with Hillary, that you know, where the where the progressives said, you know, this isn't my party; we have no vested interest, um, and they weren't included in things. Well, they were included in things this time, and they put forward this Green New Deal, um, and it was the language that the Republicans used to beat the Democrats over the head with, and mm -hmm. so. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how the, the election for leadership in the House is going to go. But days ago, it was un, it was in, unfathomable that mm. anybody would challenge Pelosi. All right. This is also this is both an age thing and a policy thing. And, yeah. you know, there, there's Pelosi is 80 years old um, yeah. and uh, I mean, she's brilliant. There's no question of it. Yeah. Um, but. Time is passing, and you know there is going to be some kind of changing of the guard. Um, now, whether that comes up in in a way that the moderates and the more establishment Democrats, um, who has control of the party, and this mm -hmm. is something that, that now is going to be fought through. Now, one of the other things that's going to happen is that if the Democrats don't win the Senate, or they don't, in this case, tie them and get their 50, right. their 50 members, yeah. then speak, or the, the Majority Leader McConnell and, and, um, and the Republican leader, you know, the, the, the Republican Lindsey Graham, they're going to have control over the appointments because there, there are, in fact, I did this, I was working on this this morning, a president has 4,000 positions um, to fill uh, mm -hmm. as political appointments. 1,250 of them, or thereabouts, have to go through the Senate for advice and consent. Mm -hmm. And so what's going to happen is that, say, for example, that Biden decides he wants to appoint Ocasio-Cortez Secretary of Energy. Mm -hmm. She'll never get through that. She'll never get through the Senate. And the thing is that it's, you know, this this is kind of a deja vu all over again sort of thing, because back in 2009, um, when the first years that Obama was in office, the Democrats had both the Senate and the House. Mm -hmm. um, well, the Senate Majority Leader at the time, Harry Reid in Nevada, um, and the President, I mean, Obama, were getting frustrated because the Republicans were filibustering um, nominations, nominees right. uh, in right. the judicial system, yep. um, and so what what Reid did was he 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 triggered what's called the nuclear option, and what happened was that now it only takes a simple majority um, to appoint judges and right. to right. Um, and to approve things. Okay, well if you don't have the majority, then you're in big trouble if you're if if you're having to deal with the with the with the other party mm -hmm. and and Lindsey Graham, for example, has already been talking about. He's phrased it like Biden ha has you know has the right to to um a, to select his cabinet, for example. Mm -hmm. Right. But there's always a button in in Lindsey Graham's talk. <laughs> right. But um, they can't be too radical. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know this this it could take. This is not an exaggeration. It could take years, mm -hmm. um, two to four years for that matter, for some of these people to get through unless Biden is willing to, 
you know, to somehow cooperate with the Senate, with, with the Republican majority. Um, what, the, what that means, I don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. the fact is that, that Biden is certainly the, actually he's the right person to do this. His whole history is one of um, collaboration, you know, right. across the aisle. Yep. Um, it's going to be a very, very strange dynamic. And I think that um, we, we have to worry about the next two years in what can they get done. And my feeling on the climate and stuff is the, 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 the minimum that's going to get done is that Biden is going to be able to come in and reverse as many of the executive orders that Trump put out um, yeah. can still be reversed and pretty much the way Trump did it with um, Obama. But and now I've got a but on this okay. is that um, if the executive order resulted in a rule, um, then what happens is you have to go through the entire process of rulemaking, which which is a two to four year process. And so, um, you know, at one level, Biden is going to be able to, to undo a lot of this. Um, and he's going to be able to ultimately put people in, in office um, in the various agencies. But, you know, Trump has gutted those agencies. I mean, he's mm -hmm. got, I mean, most, this is probably an exaggeration. So, but many of the most competent people um, left government. I mean, they were, they, if they didn't toe the line or um, they try to get something done that Trump didn't like, it wasn't going to get done. I mean, he even had sent out um, political operatives. I mean, in some ways, this is, you know, this is, uh, this is fiction that can't, I mean, that can't be made up. I mean, it's like, it's like the, you know, the political officers on, on submarines, Russian submarines, making sure that, you know, the, the captains red, red October, you know, does, yes. don't take the submarine and go someplace that they like better. Mm -hmm. um, so, so Trump put out these political operatives in all of the agencies um, who took people's names and numbers. Uh, and, and in one case, in fact, I'd written about it in NOAA, the acting chief scientist sent out a note to, to those that he had, you know, management over and say, science, science has to be followed, that, that it's, it's policies have to be science-based. Well, Trump's operative told the White House and they fired this guy for doing it. And um, we're going to see a lot of that. I mean, Trump is not going to go quietly. Um, and for the next several months, he's going to have an opportunity to really gut the federal agencies more than they are. And so one of the things that Biden has in front of him is to have to rebuild most of the federal bureaucracy. And whatever you think about bureaucrats, the world doesn't run unless somebody's policy is put into play by a bureaucrat and mm -hmm. and you know th this is this is a really daunting task um for anybody that's being elected and again i think that initially i wasn't so sure that that biden was a man for the times if you will that maybe right. maybe he was just the beneficiary of it mm -hmm. um well, in this case, it, it, he may have actually brought the two things together because he understands the federal structure. And I think that, I mean, he's been in it for, you know, for right. four, seven years, but also as vice president so that he's had that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I, I also think that um, he has in his vice president, you know, a, 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 a really accomplished politician who um, who has a way about her, um, I think, that, that, that could well complement what it is that, that that Biden is trying to do as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, in, in that sense, I'm very excited about what's going to happen in the sense that 
it's very complicated to undo the damage um, that Trump has done. And in this case, you know, I've, I've speak, spoken before and we've spoken before about what's happened with uh, federal judges. Um, well, in a lot of these cases, they're, they're going to get sued again, and there's going to be a more, at least a quarter of the of the federal bench uh, at, at the trial level and at the appeals level um, are point are appointees of Trump, and they're mm-hmm. for the most part conservative jurists. And now we've got a 63 split um, on the Supreme Court, and this is going to be difficult um, in the sense that if there is a lot of um, uh, challenges to the to the to the work of the Biden administration in court. Um, I think it's going to make things doubly difficult. And and I see as a worst case scenario, as much as I hate to look at these things, I mean it's it's what I do. I mean it's right. I mean, that's, I guess I guess that's part of my skill. But but yep. it can be very you know bumming as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. To me, as well as to the people I'm talking to, but the fact of the matter is that there are five to four decisions. For example, in Massachusetts versus EPA, which was the, which was the the case that basically um, has obligated EPA to regulate greenhouse gases um, if they determine that they're harmful um, to the health and welfare of the nation. Mm-hmm. Well, the four in that case were headed up by Scalia. Um, and Scalia wrote a very, actually, it was, it was quite an eloquent um, uh, statement about why he didn't think this that EPA should have these rules. Well, now, I mean, the last three uh, justices of the Supreme Court are all Scalia justices. I mean, and yeah. I, uh, yeah. the two, at least two out of the three were his law clerks. Um, and so... It's going to put an obligation. The answer to this is it's going to put an obligation onto uh, members of Congress to actually write better bills. I mean, yeah. and and that's something that you know we'll see what happens because a lot of the bills are vague for for practical reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. not only not only are members of Congress not capable, not it's a knowledge. I mean, it's in a knowledge based right. way of writing the kind of detailed language that's needed to to put the regulations in place so they mm-hmm. you know they kind of say okay well this is what we want and you know the executive branch should you know work on writing whatever is needed to get to this to this goal um but this is something that the conservative jurists unless it's said in the law they're called textualists for a reason that if the text doesn't say what it is that that you're doing is okay then they're going to throw it out and mm-hmm. um, at, a, at a five to four court, if, if it's one of the things that, that um, Justice Cunning Barrett, you know, sent the, the balance from four, four to six, three. Okay. And up until this point, just Chief Justice Roberts was playing a balancing act. I mean, he he actually kind of shifted, he played the, the role that Justice Kennedy, um, who, uh, 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 Gorsuch, I think, is the one that, that replaced him. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of blanking here, but mm-hmm. but the fact that uh, uh, Kavanaugh, I guess, is the one, and and Kennedy played the real balancing act as far as environmental cases are concerned. Um, and if if Roberts wants to play the balancing act, then it still ends up five to four the wrong way unless he can get one of the other conservative justices. And it's in in Roberts' case. It's an it's an interesting 
and very instructive, I think, situation that Roberts, although he's, he is a conservative justice, I mean, he's a conservative judge, and um, there's no question about that. But as chief justice, he understands the fragility of democracy and um, that a balance has to be achieved. So in cases where, um, where the uh, conservative side might have gone too far to one side um, as compared to the other, Roberts will make a decision to balance that out. Um, as you know, now that they have two, they have three justices that kind of got the tilt. Like I said he can't do that unless he can get one of the other justices to do that. Mm -hmm. And Tony Barrett has written about that at some point, um, and although he, she appears to understand that 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 balancing act. We won't know until decisions actually start to get made. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing I think that, that, that we'll see what happens. I mean, we are far enough along, I think, as a nation um, that business and industry understands that the future is sustainability. Okay, mm -hmm. I mean, You reduce your carbon footprints. Now, this is quite different than, than say, when Obama came into office um, well, was 10 years ago. Uh, and the private sector has actually been kind of driving the nation's um, transition, and, 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 and they've been doing actually an interesting job of it. I mean, it. Just for example, as lousy as the economy is, solar stocks are going through the roof in the middle of all this, and right. the oil stocks are being trashed. Um, yep. you know, the pandemic has kind of shown that weakness. Um, and so, so we're, the nation is on the path, at least as far as energy is concerned, where, where a lot of the fossil fuels will be um, replaced over time. Time, however, is the issue. And, you know, he, Biden has walked in with targets to, to do net zero um, greenhouse gas emissions from the power sector by 2035 mm -hmm. and as a nation by 2050. I don't think he can be that aggressive given the makeup of Congress at this point. And, and that still happens if the Senate, even if the Senate went over the Democratic side, because of the internal conflicts within the Democratic Party, moderates do not want to run on the Green New Deal. They, they, they feel that they're going to they're gonna get you know, slaughtered, in, in, not in a literal sense, but you know, right. slaughtered at, at the ballot box the next time the election comes up. And so yeah. this is a very, very interesting dynamic. If industry would be more supportive and actually industry and red states would not challenge um, regulations as much in court, then the transition I think can kind of go apace, even, even if it's not the Green New Deal, it can be mm -hmm. much more aggressive. If we get legal challenges, um, and and again, I you know, to be honest with you, I haven't looked at the state attorney general's attorneys general outcomes, um, but I will be. And um, some of those guys are going to be aggressive and to challenge if, from a fossil fuel point point of view, and others aren't. And I think that's the other thing that 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 Biden and the Democrats have to kind of work with. I mean, is is carbon um, capture and sequestration? They should they should support it because the fossil fuel industries are supporting it, and, and, and at least to the extent that they do the needed research and, and what have you, and be attentive to that, um, the, the, the debate is going to be a lot more 
um, cordial, if you will, mm -hmm. um, about the different policies. So um, I say we have that to look forward to as well. And 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 again, I mean, we've got an administration I think that is not um, overly radical in the sense that 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 he doesn't see all sides of this. Now, mm -hmm. whether or not Bernie Sanders and Ocasio-Cortez see the other side of that, well, that's another matter too. And one of the things that happened in this election that didn't happen in, with Clinton in 2016 was that there's a huge youth movement group that, that yeah. actually went to, went to the polls. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this is this is something that there's a large constituency out there that that you know, supports the Green New Deal and can this time go in and say, look at, you know, we helped you get elected. And so we want to be paid attention to, mm -hmm. um, you know, in that sense, I don't envy any president. I mean, they're going to get, they're going to get it from both sides. And yeah. um, uh, the the decision is not only his. We'll see how, like I said, how civil, you know, uh, what, a, what an interesting term, civil. Um, right. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, Can't help it. Yeah, whether they have civil notions or not. Right, and, right. Um, they have their conversations. So, mm -hmm. I mean, this is what I see. And uh, like I said, you set me off and, uh, uh -huh. yeah, good thing you don't pick <laughs> me about the word. Right. <laughs> so that's where I think we are. Right. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting about when you mentioned the youth movement and, and then, you know, in, in another breath, we're talking about people worrying about extremism in our approach to climate change. But our youth are going to step up and they're gonna be like, there's nothing extreme about what I want. And I, I resent you thinking that this is just plain old simple what I want. And it's not extreme. And you need to listen to me. And that's going to change what we see as extremism when it comes to the climate. I think it's a very good observation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the other thing I was thinking is that, uh, you know, very initial responses from our international community uh, to today's results was, OK, that's great. OK, now let's let's step up and and do what we expected from the U.S. in the first place. So it, I imagine that in January, it's only going to be a beat or two before Biden is putting us right back into the, you know, the position that we had in the Paris Agreement right. that was more aggressive and let the international community know that we are stepping up in that respect. Uh, that, that, that too is a good, and I think that's the other advantage that, that, that the events, but one of the, one of the, um, uh, the good thing is, is that I mean, Biden is going to get us back on the on the international stage, and yeah. um, and I mean, they may not, we may not as a nation have the same um, standing as we once had because of the last four years. We're mm -hmm. at least going to be welcomed into the conversation. And you know, one of the uh, one of the things that I that I found in this that's very interesting on the international side is that that even um, I mean, British conservatives are not are 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 being attentive to climate. Okay, mm -hmm. um, the European Union is being attentive to climate, and um, this week, Putin is being attentive to climate. He at least talked about the fact that he wants to get Russia, you know, to be a player in in reducing carbon footprints. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, had Trump been reelected, um, he would he literally would have been the only person in the world, as yeah. far as leadership is concerned, yeah. um, that said science doesn't matter. And, yeah. and 
and so we'll we'll see where that takes us. And I think that's the other thing too that you know it, Biden wins, but you know over seventy million people voted for Trump, yeah. um, and I don't know how many of those people don't. I mean, believe science doesn't matter. A lot of them obviously do because yep. they're willing to walk around without masks. Yeah. Um, and so this is going to be an interesting time. Um, and I think that uh, um, the 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 great possibilities are enormous. Um, mm -hmm. the, the problems might be also, they might be a little less than enormous, but they're still big enough. And, but again, I think you're right. I mean, the fact that the youth movement, not only here, but internationally, and there is a changing, I mean, there's a changing of the guard. People get older. They said yep. Pelosi's 80 years old. Um, mm -hmm. Biden is 77 years old. Bernie Sanders, mm -hmm. I, know, I think he's 130 years old or something like that. Yep. Um, yep. And, and, the, the the torch is being passed. So, said so it's it's this is a very interesting time, um, and I'm actually quite hopeful that 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 we'll get back to something um, that is reasonable, and mm -hmm. and that not only the nation but but the world gets on a more sustainable path. We'll just yeah. we'll see what happens, I guess. Well, obviously, you and I could keep going until we pass out uh, oh, yeah, with <laughs> so many angles to consider. Yeah, but that sure. just means that we'll we'll round up and uh, come back with um, more insights and uh, just keep plodding along and see how things go. So obviously, today's reaction is, is a little off the cuff, but we'll provide something a little more in depth uh, in a couple of weeks and go from there. Terrific. Okay, well, I really appreciate you jumping on and, and chatting with me today because, you know, I value your your perspective on things and it just helps. So well, I hope it I, helps I, other people too. I, I appreciate it. And like I said, it's, it's, you, you, you've you inspired me to write things. And so <laughs> good, um, good. I'm, more, I'm more than happy to return the favor. Good, good. So what are we expecting then next from your from Civil Notion? What are we going to see there? Oh, actually, yeah. I mean, I, I am writing a series of articles um, on what is what I see is is how the transition from from Biden to Trump uh, is working out. I mm -hmm. also am going to be looking at the states. There were there were several um, ballot initiatives that were that were put up during the election that have uh, impacts on the energy. Um, and I'm going to kind of dig down further. Like I said, the attorney states attorneys general um, are important as far as um, who's going to challenge and who's going to support federal policies. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to I want to um, dig down um, into at the state level. Um, and uh, the other thing too is that um, I've been talking with several um, groups that are part of the youth movement. Um, and so I'm going to be writing on their perspective as well. All right, great. Well, that sounds like it's going to keep you busy. <laughs> it is, but you know, it keeps me out of the bars and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, know. yeah, exactly. All right, well, uh, that'll do it. So uh, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, we'll be back soon.